0: Original content, compelling discussions, audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. Synonyms of the word change. Alter, make different, become different, adjust. And every day, we evolve, we adapt, we change. And this is where we talk about it. This is The Clay Young Show.
1: Thanks, Neil. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show here on Podcast 225.com, iTunes. That would be the Apple Podcast app, iHeartMedia's app, and airing weekends on Talk 107.3. Good to have you here. A crazy, crazy four-day period. Saturday night in Baton Rouge, the Tigers laid an egg the size of an Escalade. And on Tuesday night, (laughs) America watched a dumpster fire and prime time of course i'm talking about the tigers and the debate why wouldn't we talk about it on this week's show and i've got two guys who are just perfectly suited to speak to both now it was kind of a coin flip early on as to which one of these interviews would go first but i figured hey we probably should talk about the the event that has the biggest impact on the direction of the country, that being the debate. couple of takes. Chris Wallace did not do a great job keeping this between the ditches. I don't think that he was good at all as a moderator. There are a lot of blurbs and things that came out of this that people have latched on to. And I'm thinking with all the screaming back and forth and the the, the questions that went south, it's just... How could you learn anything? I don't think you learned anything. Well, John Cuvion with JMC Analytics is going to be here in studio to talk with you about the debate and to reiterate his dire prediction about the November 3rd elections. And after that, in a longer conversation, Matt Moscona, radio slash TV personality, uh, locally here, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria is going to be here to talk about Saturday night in Tiger Stadium a game that many of you watched the Jags aren't playing right now so the Tigers dominate Saturday night and it is and, and really more people are watching that because of it and it was not what we expected I didn't expect the team to look look like it did last year but I didn't think it looked in any way like a team that was ready to Possibly compete to repeat for the title of national champion? Yeah, wasn't good. Wasn't good. So Matt's going to be in studio to talk about that. So let's get right into it. On the other side is John Cuvion talking about the first presidential debate of 2020
0: the only interactive podcast in the capital city that lets you help solve a crime there was a shooting okay
2: is someone shot yes someone is
0: shot the crime stoppers podcast with clay young
3: just some suspicious people running through the parking lot before
0: real stories
2: it was my first love
0: real crimes real people real justice Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young exclusively at podcast225.com
2: Expecting mothers and fathers? Family Rose Healthy Start Community Action Network wants you to stay healthy as we deal with the reality of COVID-19. Here are five tips to help you and your unborn baby. Keep prenatal visits to ensure good health of you and your baby. If you need help, Family Road Healthy Start has case managers who provide one-on-one support and is enrolling expecting mothers and fathers now. Stay safe by washing your hands before or after any encounter. You, your family and children should wear masks in public. Pregnant moms, stay home if possible. If not, limit all outings and keep any additional family members such as your children home. Stay informed by getting all current information on COVID-19 from Trusted Resources. And finally, stay prepared in the event you may develop symptoms or test positive for the coronavirus. For additional information, visit womans.org. To enroll in Family Road Healthy Start, call 201 8888 and give your baby and family a healthy start. We'll get through this together.
0: The issues, the policies, the people. This is The Clay Young Show.
1: Back with John Cuvion, the driving force behind JMC Analytics and Polling. And this is part two of a conversation that we started a few weeks ago. If you will all remember, many of you have been asking when part two was going to be. Well, here it is. And I wanted to do it now because as we record this, about 18 hours ago, there was the most strange, <laughs> captivating debate, if you want to call it that, that I think I have ever seen. So let me start with this question. First of all, John, how are you?
3: Really good. Really good. Let's start with this question Who won? Nobody won. Okay. It was a disaster. Yep. Now, let me let me be more specific. Okay. Let me start off by being positive, because it's always good to start with a positive, especially okay. since your listeners don't want to necessarily hear a negative drumbeat. I do want to say that Chris Wallace did a respectable job. You think? Considering what he had to work with, and I felt that he was fair. I mean, let me put you this way. Of all of the debate moderators I've ever seen, and this is going all the way back to 1980, I thought Chris was appropriately thorough and tough to both of them, which was needed.
1: I don't know, man. I think there'll be people who who disagree with you on that. I I, yeah. I think for me, my my observation of Wallace was he was in the way often too much, and I think yeah. th- some of the some of the bickering, some of the back and forth, I know moderators believe is inappropriate. Yeah. However, I do think in some cases you let them go because the listener gets a chance to hear some things that they would otherwise not hear. Now bickering aside, I, I do think he shouldn't have allowed name calling. Right. I think after I think that should have been checked early. He didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I think there I was not clear on the time. I think when a when someone took a question and then went in a different direction, often he didn't bring them back on either side. And I you know, I just I don't think he had a good night.
3: Yeah. But the thing is, the nature of the beast when you have a debate with Donald Trump is it is very theatrical, <laughs> very entertaining. Yeah. I don't think any debate moderator could have done a respectable job because the thing is, it's a That's freewheeling... probably fair. It's a freewheeling UFC type of thing. <laughs> More like pro wrestling. Yes. Deep
1: it, South wrestling from 30 years ago. It
3: really is, you know, with the chair slamming and all that. <laughs> but I do want to say, to kind of give you the soundbite of what I felt about how both candidates did. Okay. So... Donald Trump, to me, looked and acted angry, and okay. Joe Biden, to me, did not come across as very sharp and lucid, especially when you juxtapose him against the Hillary Clinton performances in 2016. In other words, I thought that Hillary Clinton was able to handle Donald Trump a lot better than Joe Biden did, when his default response to the the just the fuselage of attacks coming from Trump was either to show his pearly whites or to say that's not true, and... I didn't really feel that that Joe Biden came across as Ronald Reagan-esque. There was certainly no there-you-go-again's. So the reason I say there was no winner here is I'm of the opinion that given just how downright ugly and nasty the debate got, mm-hmm. it didn't change any voters. In other words, yeah. Trump's partisans are going to love him saying he stood up to Joe Biden and he said that Joe Biden wasn't for law and order, blah, blah, blah. Joe Biden's people are going to say that Trump was—the thing that caught everybody's attention this morning— you know the white supremacy uh issue yeah you know when
1: i saw that man uh, here's here is my take on that it wasn't clear people say he he he, the president didn't denounce it technically that's true he didn't say i denounce yeah white supremacists or white supremacy but they were in the middle of an of a this back and forth right where i don't even know if they heard what each other was really I don't know if it was yeah. registering and it happened a few times yeah. now that one is always going to stand out so
3: that's going to be the media takeaway because yeah. they immediately noticed that but you know the big thing to me was that I think that Had it been a tie race, it would not have really been a big deal of a debate in terms of if it affected the numbers. Yeah. But when you are, you have been consistently seven points behind, which every week I go in and check the poll averages and it's still that 50 to 43 for Biden. Right. President Trump has got to be able to attract some undecided voters and soft partisans. And by his performance last night, that certainly did not happen.
1: Yeah. You know, the I didn't learn anything yeah <laughs> and that was what i hoped to have have come away with i expected a dumpster fire but i was hoping to learn something and
3: i don't think i learned anything i will say this though considering that Trump's performance was downright ugly and they were insulting. And by the way, Biden was... I don't think saint. either one of them
1: were, were were paragons of virtue or statesmanship.
3: They weren't. I mean, when Joe Biden referred to Trump as a, as a clown at three one times. Point, and then later on said he was the worst president ever. I mean, that's third grade stuff. Yeah. But one thing, ironically, I felt that Trump actually held his own was when the discussion turned to the coronavirus pandemic, mm-hmm. I felt that actually... Even though there's a lot of things that President Trump could have and should have done in retrospect, I felt that he had a really good narrative as to what he did, and he came across, believe it or not, as more forceful and in control there, where I really felt... Trump had a major missed opportunity. So he was angry most of the time. He did okay during the coronavirus. But then when we get to the last five minutes where they were shoehorning in the questions <laughs> about the accepting the result and right. the voter fraud, and all of a sudden Trump started ranting, I felt that he lost altitude at that point. And ironically, Joe Biden actually looked semi Coherent at well, that one part.
1: I think I think Biden's answer there was strong. Yes. On if I'm not mistaken, I, I think he basically said he would accept the results of the ele- election and encourage his supporters to do so as well. He, did. he was pretty matter of fact about that. That was strong yes. by him. I, I thought he was also. I thought he was strong, or I thought he was at, at least. Yeah, I guess I'll say strong as it related to some of his position on coronavirus. But I also thought the president's position on why he wanted the economy open.
3: Oh, that was a big that I, was a big. I, yeah, contrast. I,
1: I think that that he, it makes sense. His argument about people wanting to be able to open up and and, mm-hmm. and and get their businesses back going. I thought that was good. You know, Vice President Biden scored some shots on the president's early response to this and whether whether or not he thought it was serious and. He used a lot of the president's sarcastic statements against him. Right, where the president had to say that was sarcastic, that was said in jest or whatever. I, I didn't. I didn't think Biden was strong on um, the issue of the economy. And right, he, I, I didn't. I didn't hear anything. Co- I didn't. Think, and I, I don't want to keep beating the word coherent. I don't mean coherent in terms of. You could get what he means. I didn't hear what his economic platform was. Well,
3: and that was the thing. All he was doing was criticizing Trump with not while not offering any alternatives. So basically, right. he kind of reminded me of Marco Rubio in terms of having the pre-drilled talking points. Yeah. So I wasn't really impressed with him. And the other thing, too, I've seen Joe Biden in action, even in the Democratic debates, and I felt that he seemed kind of off, off center and not quite as coherent Wait, well, 77 right Right but I've seen him done better in the debates He just looked kind of tired and off last night He's and, 77 right Yeah, <laughs> That's not a reason that's me asking
1: again Right like,
3: but the thing is though I've seen him in the Democratic debates this year when yeah. he was 77 yeah. And he did fine I mean, he just yeah. did not have that air of command that Hillary Clinton did 4 years ago.
1: Look, I thought he was he was more sharp last night than I've seen him mm-hmm. in some time. And I think there were moments where he just kind of seemed to be stepping on himself, drifting but, or drifting. There were some questions that he flat out didn't answer, and then when as it relates to the president and there were interruptions from the president's side. I oh, yeah. I thought it was even early on and then it became a lot mu- a lot more the president jumping in yeah. than than Joe Biden. I thought Joe Biden was worse on the name
3: calling than the president was. Yeah, I mean the thing is when you you know here's the irony and and I'm going to go way out in the left field here. If you are ever in a debate with Donald Trump Absolutely, do not get down to his level because what do you mean? So, basically, it's almost like it became a shout fest. But my attitude is if you're to get into a debate with Trump, you need to go high while he continues to go down to the ground and get nasty and nasty. (laughs) You're
1: you're not gonna outslug right President Trump when it comes to that stuff, you're just just not gonna do it.
3: Yeah, I mean, a perfect example was when he and Marco Rubio got into that silly debate over the hand size, and that
1: was pretty silly, but the whole thing called a little Marco,
3: yeah. And the thing is, if you're getting into a debate with Donald Trump, to me, the key is to be serene and coherent and come across with a compelling vision. Don't get into a nasty. But dust.
1: here's the thing. I think had that been the case that I think it would have stayed at that level, I think it would have stayed high level had the name calling not happened. Yeah. And that's one of the things that the moderator could have some say so over if, if and, and he just didn't do that. And I know that you the phone is vibrating here. Um, so what about the 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 nominee, the nomination issue? Did we get any real answer one way or the other out of that yesterday?
3: I mean, he, in my in my view, he, uh, Biden punted on the court, the court packing question. He did. He did. Well, he ignored it. He ignored yeah. it. He also ignored the whole thing about, you know, would you call up the governor of Oregon and or the mayor of Portland and, you know, kind of tell him to put a lid on it? Yeah. So point being was, I saw that there was a lot of times that I just didn't see Biden was on his game compared to other debates I've seen him in, 77 years old or not. Yeah. And, you know, one thing about Hillary Clinton, even though she certainly gives off the vibes of not being a lovable person, I felt that she held her own all things considered in all those debates, especially when... uh, She's an academic.
1: Yeah. So, Yeah.
3: But also, too, remember when Trump pulled the stunt of having all of Bill Clinton's old paramours show up in the debate audience and she didn't she was not she was seemingly unfazed. She probably d- didn't see him oh.
1: F- because from that stage with all the lights, you, you, you can't really see the audience. Yeah. So she probably didn't know that they were out there, which uh, is hilarious, by the way. And, and so uh, going back to this and and the issues, what issues do you think got the best amount of attention in terms of we got an answer.
3: I mean, to be honest with you, because it it rambled from one topic to another, I really can't think of anything that was really compelling other than I felt that during the coronavirus part, I felt that Trump had some coherent, you know, narratives as to why he did what he did. And Joe Biden just stuck to the plain old canned, you know, 200,000 people have died. It's like, really? I mean, it's a terrible thing that they died, but the thing is, you need to say, look, as president, here's what I've done differently. Bang, 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 bang. You, Mr. Trump, have failed America in that regard. Yeah. Whereas just using the political talking point of you failed, it's like, okay, gee, no one's thought of that before. You
1: know, you said it earlier very well that if you went into this a Biden supporter,
3: You'd stay a Biden supporter.
1: You're you're staying a Biden supporter. And the same goes with Trump. If you Mm -hmm. went in a Trump supporter, you stayed a Trump supporter. I do believe, watching social media, Mm. that a great number of people who might have been in the middle likely left there not knowing who they're going to vote for. Yeah. Because I saw people on both sides of the aisle, or read people on both sides of the aisle, talking about being embarrassed by yeah. what they were seeing. And quite frankly, regardless of your politics, you can't have looked at that and felt good about the way it happened.
3: And not just the embarrassed part, but there was multiple instances I saw on social media where people talking about they left early on. In other words, they didn't stay around for the entire 90 minutes.
1: I couldn't look away from it.
3: Yeah, I, I
1: couldn't look away from it. <clears throat> yeah. It just it's, it didn't feel like 90 minutes. You know, so Any it, idea yet what the ratings have done? I mean, by the I time guess. some people hear this, it's already been... Over 24
3: hours, but. I'm sure the ratings will be good because this really is the first and most important encounter between the two. And so I think people wanted to see, you know, what, what they would look like against each other.
1: Who's moderating the next one, do you uh, know? That I do not know. Who do you think would make a good moderator if, if you were choosing? I mean, on the national scene, of course. Who out hmm. there do you think could do this and have a way about them that. Because it's clear. Yeah. That that Trump has no use for President Trump has no use for Chris Wallace, right? And I, I'm wondering because one of the two networks network PBS is, is is likely to get one of these, right? And then I think one of the networks will have one of these. Who who well, would you say? You
3: know who would be an interesting moderator, even though he has been sidelined pretty much because of his uh, sexual improprieties? It's Bill O'Reilly. Because he's I mean because if you think about it, it's as tough as Chris Wallace would be, Bill O'Reilly would be even tougher, and Bill has much less tolerant for spin. huh Bill O'Reilly. could you imagine him but between the the two of them it, it would it would it would be uh you know rough going how does how does I think.
1: I'm sure—I've seen that President Trump and Bill O'Reilly have a cordial relationship. Mm-hmm, they do. D- what about he and Vice President Biden, he being O'Reilly?
3: That I don't know. That there would all, be all an interesting— It depends on how many times Biden uh, successfully— uh, accepted an invitation to a show because I know that's one thing that Riley O'Reilly used to get kind of upset about people was, told
1: him when people told him no, they yeah. won't come onto the O'Reilly factor in or the yeah. no spend zone.
3: Exactly. Um, okay.
1: All right. Bill O'Reilly. Okay, we're fantasy we're we're fantasy uh booking this 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 yes. n- this next debate. Bill O'Reilly is one I didn't think about. Hmm You know someone like a Robin Roberts who is kind of a, a non aggressive personality? Mm. There are people like George Stephanopoulos that would not work.
3: Oh, no, no.
1: Anderson Cooper would not work. No. Nora O'Donnell would not work. Yeah. We've seen that before. That failed miserably. I think she and Gail King did one four years ago that was a dumpster fire. Of uh, you know, Shepard Smith would have been great before his fighting with with the president, but yeah. he's coming back to cable news. I don't know if you've seen that. Okay. He's going to be doing an an, a, an evening show on CNBC. Okay, so that's interesting. I don't know. I joked with someone yesterday that if you really want someone to keep these people from fighting, you put Mike Tyson in the moderator chair. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then we'd need an interpreter to know what he was saying. Yeah. Okay. So where do we go from here?
3: So where do we go from here? Is this. The election is now in hyperdrive, number yeah. one, yep. and I brought some numbers along. Since I knew I you would. You, oh, yeah. So if we go back in time to the last time I was here on September 11th, mm-hmm. I had told you that all of 57 million had requested a mail-in ballot. Yep. It's up to 66 now. Wow. And that's probably several million short because there's several states where I don't yet have access to the numbers. We had talked about how 10,005 people had voted before. Mm-hmm. It is now 1.8 million. Wow. Yeah. Oh, the number. And the thing is, now what's happening is places like Florida and Michigan and Illinois are starting to the, the mail ballots are starting to come in, and you're starting to see a doubling and tripling of the numbers in mm-hmm. these states every day. It's 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 pretty wild. Uh, it is also important to appreciate. We last time was 156,000 in Louisiana had requested a mail-in ballot. It's 190,000 mm-hmm. now, and as of today, 13,500 have voted. Wow. And that is even considering that they just sent out the mail in ballots, number one, and number two, early in person early voting starts on October 16th in a couple weeks.
2: So I it's am- a hyper,
3: it's going fast. And one thing that's going to cause it to go even faster is that next week, the gauntlet of in person early voting starts across the nation. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, you're going to have. Uh, states like uh, Arizona beginning their early voting you have California, New Jersey and Ohio sending out their mail-in ballots and mm-hmm. Ohio's going to do in-person early voting that's when you start seeing the numbers jump by 1 and 2 and 3 and 400,000 a day
1: I am very concerned about the mailing aspect of yeah. this, the mail-in ballots and so I'm clear it is less about the possibility of fraud in as much as it is the inefficiency of how mail has been going lately. And I mean no disrespect to postal workers or people in the postal you know service. I'm not, but, but I think we can all agree that this year has not been the most efficient as it relates to the
3: mail. Right. And you know, the thing that's unfortunate too is that given that everybody's on edge about this, these little micro events get blown up even though there may not be fraud inherent and i'll give you a perfect example the issue that's been repeated around the internet about the seven soldiers in pennsylvania whose trump's votes got trump votes got discarded what turns out what happened is pennsylvania is one of those states we have the double envelope and apparently an elections clerk removed the important envelope and so therefore the ballots got invalidated or something Mm. like that in other words to me you should not invalidate someone's vote because of an error that a elections clerk made, and that person should certainly be counseled if a first offense. I I wanted to
1: talk about the presidential debate, but it, I mean there was also a mayoral debate. Mm-hmm. Yes. this week, and I wanted to give you a few moments to. And a lot of people missed it because it was during the middle of the day. Right. Your thoughts on that debate?
3: Well, I mean, it got a little bit of coverage. My attitude is this. The debate matters one one-hundredth of the more uh, important ways in terms of getting your name out there, which would be going on TV. Mm-hmm. And I mean, to give you an example and show you how there's some serious muddle-headed, in my opinion, thinking going on. So we're talking about less than five weeks away from the election, right? Mm-hmm. I turn on the TV. The only thing I'm seeing are Cassidy ads. Yeah. In, in other words it He's got this, the money. Yeah. But at this point, you really, 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 especially in the mayor's race, need to be doing ads because people are voting, number one. Number two, in-person early voting is about to start, and that's going to be a big crowd event. So if you are somehow thinking that you could swing a race in the last two weeks, you're seriously mistaken. Right. I think that Mayor Sharon Weston-Broom is sitting in a pretty decent position. The question becomes whether she will have to face a December runoff. Likely. Yeah, I would say more likely than not. With uh,
1: Representative Marcel in... in, in She'll be the the runoff maker. Yeah, because four years ago she got 13% of the vote. And I think we talked about this the last time we were together. Mm -hmm. I think she makes it difficult for the mayor to get to 50 plus one. Right. And then I hear... So I did not watch the forum. Right.
3: I saw snippets of it. Yeah,
1: and the, the person people talked about the most was Eric Gerard. Oh, interesting. And his performance, that he he was okay with abolishing the police department and having a law enforcement group dressed in maroon jackets. Oh, Lord. Come on, dude. Yeah. I mean, you know. So well, He'll get us 3%. Yeah? You think it'll be 3%? I mean, look, well, listen. He has some adherence. It, <laughs> maybe so.
3: And he's an independent. That's always worth a little bit of the vote right there.
1: The anti-anybody-else vote. Right. Among the top Republicans... Mm-hmm them being Piazza, Steve Carter, Matt Watson. Mm -hmm. Is is anyone breaking away from the pack?
3: Well, I mean, I'm not seeing the ads on the TV is part of the problem. Yeah. So the question is, okay, are you guys spending money on actual voter contact efforts? Yeah. And the thing, but you know, the thing about voter contact efforts, as big of a parish as East Baton Rouge is, I'm not even keen on that at the mayor president level, because you're talking about an electorate. That's going to be at least 200,000 in November. Yes. If you think you could do the door-to-door thing, that's that's insane. Yeah. I mean, the reality is a mayor's race is almost like a congressional race. you got to sure. have money to spend. So to me, it becomes a case of, now the finance reports, as I understand it, will be due next week. That, to me, will tell a big story as to who's viable and who's not. It will. And so the question then becomes in my mind, okay, if you're Jordan Piazza, you better have a nice number to drop on that finance report next mm-hmm. week because- you're going against two established office holders yeah. so you got to show that hey I, I got the goods to compete you know down the stretch Steve Carter I think starts off in a good uh, position well he could write a quarter million million right. dollar check to his campaign not that I Ever would
1: recommend that for anybody, but he but he could do it
3: in a pinch. It's not a bad thing, but it, you definitely don't want it as the default stance. No, I just I and don't, I, and then to me, he's he's basically taking away Matt Watson's base. Yeah, and you know the thing about Matt when I saw his performance or at least snippets of his performance yesterday. He was going after the mayor, and I'm thinking, okay, well, that's been your default performance for the last four years. Do you have a positive rationale as to why you're running? Actually, I
1: think strategically speaking, he should be going after the other Republicans. Well, right,
3: because only one of them's gonna make it. Yeah. I mean, East Baton Rouge Politics 101. There will be a Democrat in the runoff.
1: That's right. And so he should be going after the Republicans. Right. The mayor is in the strongest position right now. The numbers dictate. Yes. If you if you take If you take personalities and anything out of it and make it just the political science of elections, Mm -hmm. she is the favorite to win the whole thing based upon the numbers. Yeah. And the only way you change that is by introducing something else into the flow of information and the perception of the public. Correct.
3: Yeah. And, And I mean. Here's the fundamental reality, too. So you're talking about a mayor's race that is going to share the ballot with the president. Yeah. So you're going to have a heavy turnout. It's going to be more Democratic tilted. I'm of the opinion that not only is Joe Biden going to carry Spatner's parish, but let's just say based on polling I've been doing around the state— I am seeing a slippage in the Trump vote here in Louisiana, which is more acute in affluent, well educated areas.
1: Among women, I would imagine yes. mostly, because that's where his, his bleed off has been.
3: So, what that means in plain Louisiana English is this Hillary Clinton carried Spatner's parish 52 yep. to 43%. Yep. I would not be personally surprised if Joe Biden carries our parish 55 to 40. Really? Yes. Okay. By the way, based on I'll just say based on data I'm seeing and patterns of support that are eroding for Trump, because the thing is. Yes, he lost support relative to Romney in 2016, but he also picked up corresponding support in southwest Louisiana. In other words, he kind of is at a high water mark in the rural areas,
1: man. It's it's I will see what happens in the next seven days. People have said that no one talked about the mayoral debate. John, they could have had that debate at the top of the Mississippi River Bridge with all of them juggling apples. Right. And after we saw what we saw last night, nobody still would have talked about it. Right. They would have been talking about the debate. Yeah, last the presidential
3: evening. eclipsed it. And the reality, too, is mayoral debates are not really attention-getting no. devices. Not since KIPP's not running. Right. <laughs> so the reality is, you know, you've got you've got to spend the money, and you better do it yesterday.
1: Yep. So a peek behind the curtain, John is about to leave and, uh, and, and coming into the room is, is, is Jill Garner with manners of the heart who's about to do her manners minutes. And, uh, you know, she's one of my favorite people, John, if you haven't looked up manners of the heart, you should look them up, man. It's a good organization. JC, we'll do this again, uh, before the next debate, let's handicap it before and see how wrong each of us can be.
3: Absolutely. Well, (laughs) I still stand by my original hot take of September 11th about what I feel the, uh, is going to be the ultimate outcome of this election cycle? I
1: remember it. And it wasn't just the presidential election. Run that. Quickly tell people what that was again.
3: I quoted, I quote unquote said a 2008 level disaster. Yep.
1: The House, the Senate, and the White House. Mm-hmm. Man, let me, let me, somebody just spit out their coffee.
3: Let me put it to you this way. In the states where they have party affiliation for the returned ballots for that 1.8 million, among that 1.8 million, Democrats have a lead right now of 53 to 22%. That's coming out of Florida, New Jersey, and North Carolina. Yeah. Wow. In other words, we got a serious problem here where the Democrats are enthused and are voting. And yes, it is true the Republicans will be voting on Election Day and most likely for personally voting. Mm-hmm. But I would not put all my eggs in the Election Day basket because you have everybody try to vote on one day. You have capacity issues. Yeah. And all it takes is one pandemic issue or a hot spot in some town yeah. or some rainstorm or whatnot. And all of a sudden, that's people who can't vote.
1: Where can people find you on social media? Yes.
3: So I like to be on Twitter a lot at Win with JMC, and I like to do analyses of data at a non, in a non parsed fashion, of course. Yep. I also am on Facebook at JMC Enterprises. He
1: is the best, and we'll see you soon before the next debate. And again, like I said, we'll predict what will happen. Yes. I like the O'Reilly. Thank suggestion: you. I think he would be a great moderator for this.
0: Thank you, John. Yep, have a good day. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show.
4: Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more
0: information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Here we go. go. This is The Clay Young Show.
1: (laughs) The man, the myth, the legend, he's in studio with us. The scone man, Matt Moscona, the host of After Further Review and Baton Rouge and New Orleans. The weekend is coming, Matto. What do you think?
4: I think, uh, I really hope there's a better defensive performance than what we saw on Saturday because that was really, 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 really sad.
1: Brother, it was – we were together watching that game, at least the second half of it, and it was agonizing for everyone in the room. So let's start with with the expectations coming into this season. Last year's football team had the greatest college football, team, football season of all time. I don't think there's been any better. Yeah. And coming into this year, I think the average Louisianan was properly calibrated to this year. I didn't run into one person who acted as if they expected a repeat of last year's performance. However, I thought people, and I'll include myself in, in, the, in that, were coming into this season expecting just a solid team. Not like last year, but solid. And, and then Saturday looked like a Juco playing an NFL franchise.
4: So, f- so fans are always kind of fickle. I agree with you in that I think most fans, I was very proud of LSU fans yeah. because they came into this season, I think, recognizing what happened last year is you would, li- last year's LSU team scored more points than any college football team in the history of college football. Yep. 150 years, no team ever scored more. Yeah, You would literally have to be the best team in the history of college football again yeah. to be better than that team. So sure. I think most people realized Not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. You can take 2019, put it on a shelf in a box with a bow, and and it's and it's it's done, and admire it forever. That doesn't mean you can't win a championship again, but it's not gonna look like that, which is fine. I think, but LSU fans had the expectation that this team could still be a team that would be competing with the elite in in the SEC and nationally. Mm -hmm. Maybe not make a playoff. My line, Clay was. I think your baseline expectation for LSU moving forward needs to be a program that's a New Year's Six program in yeah. one of the big New Year's Six bowls. Yeah. Even if it's not the playoff, like a few years back when LSU went 9-3, went to the Fiesta Bowl, that should be your baseline expectation if you're a, a consistent championship-caliber program. What happened on Saturday was I, – I mean, you want to talk about history. In 90 years of SEC football, no team has ever thrown for as many yards – as Mississippi State did, and you know the every league needs its doormats. Like every, mm-hmm. everybody like in the Big Ten, like they need Maryland to, and Rutgers to stink. Like everybody needs their yeah. layup. Yeah, you, know, you need India. You need Indiana to stink. Mm-hmm. If you're in the Big Twelve, like you need Baylor or whoever it is to, to be. <laughs> you need Kansas to be awful. You need your breather on the schedule. Well, in the SEC West, that's been the Mississippi schools. Yeah. Ain't no more, man. You cannot sleep on the Mississippi schools anymore. I heard you say
1: before whiskey and wine on Saturday that, and then you said it again on your post-game show, that um, Mike Leach put the SEC on notice. Yeah. I want to drill down on that because I think, yes, it's true, but how much of what happened on Saturday was LSU versus Mike Leach and the air raid offense and, yep. and the performance of that kid?
4: So I think, so the answer is both. Okay. But, but here's the thing. I think you have to understand that Leach's offense, the way it's constructed, they're always going to move the football. But the way he tries to win a game is sort of counterintuitive from what we normally expect. He's Explain that. He's normally okay being in a game where both offenses are putting up 600 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd rather win a game 48-45 than 23-20. Right. That's the pace he's more comfortable. Okay. Like in basketball, if you have a team that wants to run... Like the Warriors or they, something. Yeah. yeah, or you want an old-school LSU reference, LSU-Loyola-Marymount, that yeah. game was like... Some teams are comfortable nets so yeah. like the Spurs with Pop. Like they were more slow it down yeah. defense, control possession. Like leech is okay playing in that fast paced game. So I think you had to understand they were going to move the football. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I don't think we expected with LSU was the trickle down effect of losing Derek Stingley. And you can say, well, that's yeah. that's one guy. Okay, it's, it is one guy, yeah. but. When your whole approach to defending this team is right, we're going to play man coverage because we think our guys are better than their guys. Like yeah. We think you yeah, you got him, you got him, you got him, you got him, and we think our athletes are better. That was crazy. Well, whenever Stingley's out there, yeah, you are better because Stingley's going to take away. he is, he's going to be he, the best. He's going to take yeah. away your best guy. Yeah, yeah. And if if you mess up and, and throw a ball his way, yeah. he's probably going to snag it yep, in, right. in a game like this. Right. But that also means Cordell Flott, mm-hmm. who had practiced all week at nickel, mm-hmm. now had to play boundary corner. He's playing a different position. Jay Ward, who you didn't even think was going to play because mm-hmm. he had a, a torn meniscus, yeah. hadn't practiced in two weeks. Yeah. He was going to dress just a dress in his first game. You know, that just a dress. He's playing significant snaps now. Sure, Elias Ricks, who you had counted on to play boundary, was now playing nickel because mm-hmm. Flott. So you understand it's a, it's a domino effect. The injury. Changed it the scheme and what they would do. It changed personnel, scheme, alignment, everything that LSU wanted to do defensively in that game. And then, you know, I was one to say, like, why didn't you try zone coverage?
1: So I want to ask that question. So after the first, the first quarter was kind of nip and tuck. There wasn't a whole lot of scoring early on. And which you can get, especially going into this year, I think on all levels, you expect football to be shaky towards the beginning obviously you don't expect to have a team lose 10 starters like my 49ers did in the pros <laughs> but you expect some shakiness after a while of watching the gashes outside especially on the right side against our corners why wouldn't you say maybe man blitzing isn't the thing maybe yeah. some zoning maybe send one and i listen Bo Pelini's the coach i am not i'm just yeah. i'm just a fan who's watching why not adjust your strategy just
4: a bit so that was mine my thing as well right I mean it literally couldn't have been worse literally I mean (laughs) you allowed more yards than any in the history of the SEC like no matter what you did it could not have been worse right um but I also understand I was talking to Derry Beckwith who's a former LSU linebacker who played under Bo his Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. stint in in Baton Rouge you know and Derry was explaining you know when you go zone everyone has to know their assignments. Right. If you're playing quarters, yeah. too high, whatever. And I'm not an ex like I'm not going to say, they've got to like, police
1: their real estate. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. But
4: I'm, I'm not a, I'm not the guy that's going to like spin circles on the sure, board. Sure, and o, sure. Right. But it does make sense to say if it's easier to play man to man than zone, because you know, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got yeah. you. Right. At least you know, between the ears, mm-hmm. you know, just cover that guy. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Zone, you're responsible for a space and a re and, and how all that goes. Um, and so you have to know where your help is, et cetera. And if you hadn't practiced that, yeah. now there's a very fair question, why hadn't you practiced that? Mm. You know. And it's not to say that they wouldn't know zone concepts, maybe these guys in different positions, but I'll go back to my point, like which is it literally couldn't have been any worse. So And, and the unwillingness to change felt a lot like watching LSU's offenses for the previous decade where what you're doing ain't working, Why aren't you trying something? Just try to try something different so we could say, might this possibly work?
1: Uh, The offense. Before I get to the Pinocchio Award, and many of you know what that is. Some of you may not, but you'll learn
3: what that is and where you
1: can find it. I got to get that (laughs) drop. I love that. There's a word I don't hear enough. Uh, The offense. Everybody was panning Miles Brennan and Mm -hmm. jumping all over him and my take was a little bit different we were watching the game and I told you when the ball is snapped I'm rarely watching the quarterback I'm always looking up the field if it's a pass play to see who can I see open Mm. and a couple times we saw you and I guys that were coming out of breaks open and he was late he was holding the ball and that was a criticism and I said to you Saturday hey man he wasn't running from the pressure He wasn't losing his nerve. He just held on too long because the trust isn't there. And I'm like, look, that's a fixable thing. If that's the worst that we got to deal with, you can fix that you can get him to just let it rip and make him understand trust the play and good things will happen most of the time that's better than a guy who drops his eyes and is looking for a place to go down yeah. so I wasn't as down on the kid as a lot of people were
4: I think the the disappointing part I, I largely agree the disappointing part is man you ate four years you ate four years <laughs> I told you Saturday you sit, that's different though man wait that's and then di- all and all of a sudden now it's your turn <laughs> yeah let it rip man Let's go. You know, but I agree with you on on the fixable part yeah, of it. Okay, yeah. here's the thing: Miles is a great talent, sure. like physically. I think we we saw his limitations running. Right, yeah. look, LSU's running the two-minute drill at the end of the first half. Yeah. He's headed for the sideline. He can't get to the sideline, no. and he eats it. And ultimately, you have to burn a timeout. Yeah, I mean that's where if you're not going to get there, throw it away. Throw it away. Don't save that timeout. But either way. There were two plays in particular that I think really illustrate what, what you said and, and potentially change the game. One was the first interception he threw where his arm got hit. Mm-hmm. If you watch the play, Racy McMath, and LSU had done a great job to start the second half. They'd really started to establish the run, and so they'd softened up that Mississippi State defense. So the linebackers and safeties were creeping, and you knew eventually Ensminger was going to take a shot on play. Actually, mm-hmm. He did on that first down play, mm-hmm. and McMath was wide open. And when Brennan's arm got hit, there was seven yards of separation between Racy McMath and the cornerback. Yeah. Well, if there's seven yards of separation, like he should already have the ball in his hands. Right. Not Brennan looking to throw and getting hit right. at that point. Yeah. You know, that's people sometimes say, you know, in high school, you wait until the receiver is open to throw it. In college, you wait until he's. In the break, starting to that's get open, it. that ball's got to be there. In the pros, yeah. it's you're throwing to a spot, anticipating him being right. open because the speed is so much quicker. Defensively. And that's your job to be there. So exactly. So I think that was a re- that was a game changer because that's yeah. that's a that's a, a that's a touchdown if if Miles gets rid of the ball in time. Instead, it's a turnover.
1: But might I say, with eight minutes left, there was still a shot. Yeah, you're tied. I mean, you gave up a ton of yards. Your corners are getting beaten like garage sale couches, and you still have a chance <laughs> to, to do something in this
4: game. You were tied at 34 in the fourth quarter, um, and you had two possessions in the fourth quarter with a chance to take the lead, and both times you went three and out. So you had your opportunities to, despite all of your struggles, and like you had your opportunities to win the game and couldn't make the plays. The other one, though, I'll tell you, I'm going to show you a picture because um, I screen grabbed this. Um, this was in, on LSU's third... Is this third. on your
1: social media stuff anywhere?
4: Uh, n- so you're
1: to have to post this because people are going to wonder what the picture is. Because unlike after further review, this
4: isn't televised. I understand. Um, this is LSU's third possession. I'm going to show you this picture, okay? okay. Yeah. So <laughs> Looking at the picture. So Miles Brennan is in... Hang on. Miles Brennan is...
1: So I jumped to a bunch of pictures, and uh, in case you're wondering, nothing in there was uh, disturbing.
4: <laughs> Miles Brennan <laughs> is holding the football. Yes. Okay. He's looking to the right. Yep. And you see Terrace Marshall pretty wide open. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's, okay. Yes. All right. He's just inside of the hash. Right. The only person deeper than Marshall is the referee. Right. He's the the corner oh is God. maybe five seven yards inside of him. I mean, you he's ha- you he's have wide to open. Post this because he's wide
1: open. And and he not only is he wide open. Miles has not even started his throwing
4: motion yet. And look at the pocket. He's got a clean pocket as well. A very clean pocket. So that play, you might say, Matt, wh- what happened on that play? You might say, Matt, what happened on that play? Matt, what happened on that play? I'm glad you asked, Clay. What happened on that play is Miles Brennan tucked the ball and ba- and basically took a sack. It, it, he got back to the line of scrimmage, so I think it statistically looks at, as but a game. of nobody gain is
1: one. near him at this point in the – he, so you got to post this picture so he, people could see it. He
4: he didn't he didn't even throw that ball. Yeah, that's that's where you have to you have to have more trust. You have to be it's more a trust de- issue. You have to be more decisive. But you,
1: you develop that over time. Yeah, and I think it'll be there. And again, you're right. Four years sitting there, but four years sitting there and getting on the field and practice, where guys really want to make a play to impress the coach mm-hmm. in the game. The guy's trying to send you to the bench. Yeah. Well, legally, the guy's trying to break something that has you sitting down and not helping your team.
4: I know. Um, I, I just, that's where I'll go back to the root of football. is yeah. I mean, it's a violent game. You know what you sign up for. Sure. But at the same time, man, Miles has waited his turn. And I'm like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not going to crush Miles. I don't want to crush any college kid. Boogert McFarlane
1: honestly. was saying, bench him. He did. He did. Don't you think that's a little early to be going to to, to be saying bench him?
4: And let's look. Booger isn't alone because there was a lot of, of fans who, but fans always yeah, but say he should know better. I would I would agree. Um, what do you think you're going to get putting in a true freshman in yeah. that scenario in his first game? How's it going to be better? I, m- maybe it would, but we'll go back to the point we we're making. You were in a tie ball game in the fourth quarter. Like You still had a chance to win the game. So
1: there were opportunities offensively. You were doing some okay things, but defensively, that's where the problem was. So going into Vanderbilt on Saturday, and I am still going to get to Coach O and the empty stadium and ask you a question about that. Okay. Going into Vanderbilt on Saturday, why wouldn't Vanderbilt say, hell, let's just spread them out and see what we can do?
4: So Vanderbilt has a – so Vanderbilt has a true freshman quarterback named Ken Seals. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi State had a fifth-year grad transfer who threw for 3,700 yards two years ago. Vastly different experience. Right. Mississippi State is running an offense that is centered around throwing the ball to nine, ten different guys in Mm -hmm. a game. Uh, Vanderbilt isn't. And Vandy has one really good receiver. Um, uh, his name is uh, Abdur Rockman. Is his name six four two seventeen? Big kid. Yeah. Uh, but you got Derek Stingley back. Oh yeah. So this is where it changes the map. who math. is going to be angry. You put you put Derek Stingley all over that kid yeah. and tell him don't let him breathe. That's right. And then make somebody else go beat you. And I don't think Vanderbilt has the personnel to do that. State had scheme and personnel against that LSU team that had the domino effect in the defensive backfield. That. You know that were that were prepared to to beat LSU in that game, and it's a, it's unfortunate if there was one if there's one team on the schedule. I mean, like the one team on the schedule where you could least afford to have that type of attrition in that position group in the first game before anybody had seen them play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was state but because
1: of the nature of the offense. Leach runs
4: that offense. Yeah. What's it going to look like with Leach with his talent with yeah. that personnel? New quarterback, all all of the above. You haven't given up on the season, have you? Well, no. I mean, my my take on the season was I thought they they'd go eight and two, and mm. I, th- I thought there were six games that that they'd win, um, and then I thought there were four games that were coin flips. That if they split, it'd be a really good year. If they split, you know, Bama, Florida, Auburn, A and M, win two of those four, and who knows maybe how the tiebreakers went, it could go in your favor. But I thought eight and two would have been a really good year for LSU, and that's. That's a stretch now, so let's talk about how ugly
1: Saturday would have been had there been a hundred thousand people in that building
4: I'm curious uh I'm curious how it might have gone. I mean, let's not forget Mississippi State turned it over four times. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it realistic to think that maybe you draw a few more penalties, you put it behind the sticks, you force another turnover mm-hmm. I maybe. Maybe so. Uh, You know, the other side of it, which I think is what you're asking, is would the fans have been really displeased? Which I know is what you mean. But um, I think the fans might have seen a, a little bit different game play out. I mean, there's so many different elements that we're all getting used to. But yeah, I mean, fans don't like to lose. Obviously, and nobody likes to lose to state because you should never lose to state. Because as <laughs> as we've established, every league needs their doormat, and state needs to be your doormat. And, and what, now, what,
1: what did Leach say that we played LSU because Green Bay and New England? And some, they, <laughs> okay, they already right. had their yeah, schedules okay, already yeah, made. Right. Calm down, there, Cowboy. Yeah. Just uh, you know,
4: he but he is entertaining. And yeah. did you see the the social media post that uh, the video that Mississippi State did? No um it's it's really brilliantly done if you follow mississippi state on twitter go go follow it or or if you don't go just go watch the video um they it's a tight shot of like a wooden wagon wheel turning very creeping very slowly and then there's a maroon pirate flag waving in the wind and then they have a real tight shot on a mississippi state you know marching band member with a mask on and like hands on the trumpet mm-hmm. and then they pan out and you see the wagon rolling and you see Mike Leach sitting on the wagon. He goes, "Hey, anybody looking for a bandwagon? We got room." <laughs> <laughs> it was so well, well. It done. was so well done. But I'll a warn- little, it's a little early. Exactly. I'll warn you this: if you're Mississippi State. You better not. You go do that. You better not go lose to Arkansas this weekend. You, you, which, which they could, which certainly. I mean, Arkansas played an inspired game against Georgia. Yeah. Um, I think Arkansas for me is a really interesting test case. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I think Arkansas is trying to do with Sam Pittman what LSU did with Ed Ogeron, the guy Mm -hmm. who was a career assistant, a line coach, never been a coordinator, but loves the school. Big energy guy. You know he can recruit. Mm-hmm. Let him hire really good coordinators, delegate, run the program. Like, it's the same model that yeah. LSU is using with Ogeron what Arkansas is doing. So I'm going to be interested to see if what Sam Pittman can do there.
1: Speaking of Coach Ogeron, you gave him your Pinocchio award.
4: Uh, hey, bro. Why? Well, after the second scrimmage of fall camp, yeah. Ed Ogeron said – and I, I believe I have this quote verbatim. Yeah. Our defense right now is so much better than at any point a year ago. <laughs> Oops. You – and look, when he said it, I was like, hey, man, come on. I mean, on air, I'm like, look, you had Caleb on Chasson. You had Patrick Queen. Mm-hmm. You had Grant Delpit. You had Christian Fulton. You had Michael Divinity. You had Jacob Phillips, Rashard Lawrence, Brayden Fajoko. Like – You're going to tell me right now you're so much better than at any point a year ago with those guys who were putting top 10 teams like Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson in three-hour headlocks? Come on, man. But what that shows you is Ed and Dave Aranda were never on the same page.
1: The worst-kept secret in Baton Rouge is that there was an – interesting relationship between the two of them and they were they are both pros true pros at what they do but their styles kind of graded on each other and i had heard that and just because ed's way and you know ed's the the berserker the the -the over-the-top screaming guy you know we see it and dave aranda is kind of a professor
4: yeah that was his nickname as a professor. And but. and so Dave is very meek and very yeah. soft spoken and yeah. very cerebral. Sure. And he plays a style of defense where they have a lot of different looks and yep. coverages, and he's very good at making adjustments and you know and and picking his spots to attack. Ed is very different. He is very loud mm-hmm. and as you said, berserker and and you know, barrel chested, and <laughs> he wants to attack and go and kill the quarterback, and that's what Bo Pelini wants yeah. as well. But to be very clear. Neither's right or wrong. Sure, they're yeah. just different. Yeah. You can have success. Ed's yeah, had absolutely. great success in his career. No question. Obviously, with you know, won a national championship. Yeah. Now it was Dave was the coordinator, but they just they saw, didn't see eye to eye mm-hmm. with how they wanted the defense to look. But I think what was illustrated is maybe how that relationship, because of their different styles and disagreements, maybe did get sort of rocky. And there's no question that that was. That was equal parts a a compliment to Bo Pelini mm-hmm. and a swipe at Dave Aranda. And I would venture a guess that if Dave Aranda were the defensive coordinator this past Saturday, LSU wins that game because oh, one of the yeah. one of the things that Dave is exceptional at is making adjustments mm-hmm. and finding ways to outsmart you. And in that day when your guys weren't winning athletically, you had to find a way to scheme to win and LSU didn't, and mm-hmm. they got outcoached flatly. I mean, that's going to be tough for a lot of people to hear, but Mike Leach and Zach Arnett and that staff outcoached Ed and Bo Pelini, and Steve Ensminger and their staff. So that's, that's a tough pill to swallow, man, but that's, you know, I, I was, it was humbling all the way around for everyone, I think, on Saturday, including especially maybe even that coaching staff.
1: Let's switch quickly here to the NFL um, and, and talk about, first up, your team, the Saints. A lot of fans are talking about Drew Brees' arm strength and Hmm. the offense and all of that. I will say before you go in, I'm not on Hmm. that thing with Drew Brees' arm. I think his arm at 40 is not his arm at 25. Whose is? (laughs) Right. But I've seen plays where he has moved the ball down the field. I actually think a lot of teams are suffering from no preseason. But what do you think first about your
4: team? I think this offense is the exact same offense they've been for the last three years. Mm-hmm. Clay, it's like you watch enough football to know this, and I, I think most people listening can understand this. If you're going to throw a ball downfield, mm-hmm. what is the other part of that pitch and catch equation that has to be there?
1: Well, the guy who's going to catch it. Yeah. And Michael to,
4: Thomas is not on the but field. Michael Thomas also is not a deep threat. Right. That's not his game. Right. Michael Thomas is the. I'm a I'm a rebounder in basketball where yeah. I'm going to use my body to box you out and find space and I'm going to eat you alive yeah. in that what he does 15 yards of the line of scrimmage yeah. range If you're going to people like air yards he's not he can't throw the deep ball
0: you have to have someone running deep <laughs> open to throw the ball.
4: Right. Clay, who on this team is that guy? No, nobody. Like, they used to have Devery Henderson. Yeah. He's not there anymore.
1: And I can tell you, Amanda, you Emmanuel Sanders is not consistency that he's, he's consistently that guy.
4: He's not that guy either. Yeah. You know who they had after? They had Ted Ginn who filled that yeah. role. He's not on the team, and he's like 100 years old. You know who else filled that <laughs> role? I bet he
1: role? could still run
4: a 4-2. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe so. But with pads on, with a defender, yeah, can you get off yeah. a, a jam? Yeah. I don't know. And then Brandon Cooks was that guy for yeah. a minute, but they traded him. They don't have the guy on the team to run the go route. Like, how can you tell me you want to throw deep when you don't have anybody that can run deep and get open? So all these people are like, Drew Brees' air yards. I'm like, I don't care about his air yards. Are they winning the game? You know who had a bunch of air yards on Monday Night Football? Who's that? The reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson, who can throw the ball over a mountain. Yeah. You know how many yards, actual yards he threw for completed yardage passes on Monday Night Football? 97, mm. 90. What would you rather, Clay? Would you rather a quarterback have great air yards but throw for 97 or a quarterback have 4.6 air or whatever and throw for 230 yards and a couple of scores and a chance to win a game against Aaron Ross? Hey,
1: I'm a West Coast offense guy. Come on, I, I, man. I, and that's the Saints are running a variation of a West Coast offense. The Saints were almost always an intermediate to short route passing team with a lot of guys who who Peyton schemes in space, and they can run after the catch.
4: Drew has never had the massive arm. No. They've had the deep threat guy that they don't have right now. Drew Brees' superpower is accuracy. It's Mm. always been his accuracy. No doubt about that. His precision. He will slice you apart. He moves within the pocket. He gets rid of the football. He doesn't take sacks. Like, that's Drew Brees' superpower. Mm-hmm. As long as he is accurately getting the ball to the receivers that are there, yeah. great. Like, uh, for me, the bigger concern is this defense is allowing 30 that's points a CC, game, man. And that's
1: the thing that gets me. Nobody's talking about the defense. The, the You know, Brady in that first game, I expect it to not be sharp. Yeah. Not because he's 43, but because he didn't have preseason. And again, you don't get that second and third game to really kind of test your, your, your chemistry with your receivers. Yeah. And, but I knew he's Tom Brady. He's been doing this over, he's been doing this 25 years. Okay. Yeah. He's going to figure it out. That defense was pretty good. Now you go to Oakland, excuse me. Las Vegas. You go to Las Vegas.
4: Gorgeous stadium.
1: Uh, they call it the Death Star. Man, I'm, I want to go see that thing. There's only a few stadiums I've ever said yeah, just, I'll just go see that. I'm, yeah, that's one of them. But that was, uh, and I'm thinking now, why aren't y'all talking about the defense?
4: The Cam Jordan a year ago had 15 and a half sacks. Yeah, through three games goose egg Mm -hmm. zero Mm -hmm. well they're doubling he's been doubled for a decade yeah okay huge huge guy the fact of the matter is right now your defense is allowing 30 points a game Mm. okay we haven't seen the defense play this bad yeah since the first two games of 2017 i'll give you the very quick refresher for those who don't remember saints started zero and two they opened the season at minnesota sam bradford threw for 500 yards Mm -hmm. was the nfl's offensive player of the week a week later they were at home against new england Tom Brady threw for 500 yards and was the NFL's Offensive Player of the Week and everyone went, Dennis Allen, your defense sucks. What is mm-hmm. going on here? And then all those rookies started coming into their own. Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus Williams. like They just started yeah. playing much better. And and that was a team that went 11-5 and and went to the postseason and made it to the divisional round. And then the last two years, defense has been exceptional. It's not been there right now, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why I'm willing – to be patient with this team yeah. for another week, yeah. for another week, yeah, yeah, you got to beat Detroit. Got to beat Detroit. You, you can, where's that game? It's at Detroit. Okay, but you cannot go on the road and lose to a uh, to Matt Stafford. Sands a legit weapon, even though Galladay's back this week and 35-year-old Adrian Peterson running the football. Like, you (laughs) cannot lose this football game.
1: Listen, I love Matt Stafford. I've always thought... He, he, he even now after being all these what maybe ten years in the league he still has a cannon trapped guy. to his shoulder and in week one of the season
4: huge he, air yards oh, guy oh huge air <laughs> yards guy he
1: laid the ball right on the hands of a running back who dropped it in the end zone they could be two and one right now be.
4: so that was uh, a kid from Georgia Swift, yeah, just
1: <laughs> unbelievable so here's the thing I and, and you've known me a long time. I never overdo on air my love for my team the 49ers because I live here and people love the Saints and I get it. But say what? You're a front runner, I get it a front runner? Yeah, I get it. You kid,
4: 49ers won a bunch and so you just a First front runner. of I all,
1: I, I was on you the earth before they started winning, but I've told that story here before. Yeah. But by the way, if I was a front runner for the 12 years that we sucked like choking dogs, <laughs> I'd have jumped onto another bandwagon, well, don't just, you think? But One it, thing you can't call me is dumb. So if I was if I was going to be a front runner, I'd have been <laughs> smart enough to jump Maybe I'd be a Patriots but, fan.
4: But as a kid, it's like all the kids. You know what, what does it drive uh, me nuts?
1: And by the way, let me say this to yeah. you as a kid in the 70s nobody here liked the saints why aren't you a saints fan i didn't know any saints fan Uh, scratch that one uncle one uncle everyone else had not one nice thing to say about the saints now
4: you're right about this yeah i so culturally i do have an opinion on this matter yeah so of course it happened that the saints ended up Winning, but I was born in New Orleans, yeah. moved to Baton Rouge yeah. in '89, yeah. and there were no Saints fans, and like nobody, right. nobody cared. No, <laughs> nobody cared, and that's that. That was the Mora, Dalton, Hilliard, Bobby Aver, Dome Patrol days when they actually, Listen. for the first time in their history, started winning some games and making the playoffs.
1: The, the stupid thing about it is, and, and Condon gives me grief about this. What first got me liking the 49ers is I like their uniforms because as a as a kid as you know here you would see the 49er games especially the ones out west because
4: yeah. Saints were in the NFC West They played, and
1: yeah. and they, they, they in it, well yeah NFC West back then a lot of the games here were blacked out but mm-hmm. you'd see the Niners at home I like the uniforms yeah it kind of started. Steve DeBerg was the quarterback then. O.J. Simpson was on the team, and then they gave – which they gave, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he took a stab at being a 49er. And so, and so, oh, no. and so, no. then, then Joe Montana. We, we got O.J. puns. Then, oh, then, no. then, then yeah, oh. you know, listen, man, he wasn't the slashing runner no. he was when he was in Buffalo.
2: But, but, but,
1: but, but, but when he, you know, so he came in, he played. He wasn't that great. And then they start winning, and it's like crap. But the thing is, nobody liked the Saints. Yeah.
4: So my opinion on when that all changed was post Katrina, because look, in '05, yeah, there were and they were playing games in Tiger Stadium and. And there were you know, Tom Benson had that running with the fans yeah. and, and the bowels of Tiger Stadium and it <laughs> yeah, was like yeah.
3: when he
1: was being held up, all due respect, he's a dead man now. No,
4: it's it's what it is. There yeah. were a lot of there were a lot of people who were very okay yeah. with the state not incentivizing the Saints to return and letting them go to San Antonio. That would have been dumb. It, it would have been. And good on Paul Tagliabue and then Governor Blanco, who was part of that as well, you know, the administration at the time. But for four keep, years later you yeah. win the chip. Right. But what happened was, of course. 05, you had so many displaced New Orleanians sure, sure. who came to Baton Rouge and stayed. Yeah. You had an influx of, of Saints of, fans. Saints, yeah. of, of adoring, yes. diehard Saints yes. fans in this yes. town. Yes. And then, to your point exactly, which was there were none. Well, all of a sudden, there were many, and and, and, and real Saints fans. And then they yeah. started winning. Yeah, and then it became it, you know the the return to the dome in 06 on Monday Night Football that was such a galvanizing event. That team goes all the way to the NFC Championship right. game, and now you've got Drew Brees, and there was something to rally behind, and now they've maintained it for 15 years. They're
1: a bunch of front-running Saints fans.
4: <laughs> isn't that such a since weird thing since to say? you want to start Is,
1: this crap with me in isn't, my wait, office. Isn't it so
4: bu- <laughs> don't you
1: freaking tell me that you do a radio <laughs> no, show every day, a good radio hold show, in, in Baton Rouge, you can't tell me that you don't have fans who are ready to give up on your team after a series, not <laughs> no, a series no, no, of no, games. for sure, right? for
4: sure. But it it would you would only be a front runner if you were a kid living in like Cleveland and you decided you were going to be a Saints fan because they were winning that so first that would be the all, difference like you're in
1: So first of all that was supremely clever a nice try by you that LSU degree is working pretty fine that was right. one of those back alley kind of shots at me but here's what i'm going to say all right. no that's not the case because they were winning You grew up winning. in San
4: Francisco? No. Oh okay. No.
1: No. Why what what why is it that you have to grow are you a basketball fan, NBA? Sure. Who who are you a fan of? Don't say the Pelicans. The Pelicans. Oh, you are so f- Are you kidding me? I am. I am. You're a fan of the Pelicans now. No. Who were you a fan of before the Pelicans were here? Well when they were the Hornets. In Charlotte? Well, no, in New Orleans. No, I'm talking about before oh, they before got... Before New Orleans yeah, had a franchise? Right.
4: Probably... So I was not a huge NBA fan. Uh, no, I'm, no, yes. listen, no, listen, listen, listen. As a kid, yeah. I, I'm a, I was an 80s kid who grew up... It really started knowing sports, late yeah. 80s, early 90s, right? Yeah. So that was obviously Jordan's ascent. Sure. So everyone had a love affair with Jordan. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved more superstar players yeah, sure. I, I didn't have a team I, I didn't that's kind of
1: the thing the NBA and actually it's kind of fair because in the even now the NBA
4: is a star driven league
1: even now it's I know the play and, and I only keep up with it because I have you know sons who who watch it all the time and that's yeah I, sometimes I have to ask him who who some guy is outside yeah. of LeBron and a handful of guys I don't know him but no I am an unabashed 49er fan and like I said just because let me guess
4: you're golden state warriors fan too right
1: actually I don't have a team and in, 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 I don't really have a team in the NBA oh, okay
4: yeah, yeah. Come now, on. You know man. the one I get all the time, though? Because I'm a Yankees fan. People are like, oh, oh Yankees fan. Wait Yankees a minute fan. now. Here's the difference. Okay, okay. there Here's, is no difference. There is. I'll no. tell no. you. I'll okay, tell what you. is okay. It? So. Uh, There's no New York, Louisiana. Right. Where's the professional baseball team in Louisiana?
1: What, what difference does it make? They're closer teams
4: to Louisiana. I just Louisiana. told you that I'm a. They're closer teams, teams to Louisiana do than you New have York. Any, do you have any die diehard affinity for anything in Texas? um no die why, why, would hard I, affinity. why would I it's yeah. it's it's a Louisiana thing yeah. that's why yeah, I mean I don't care I, about that and I'm a New Orleans native I was I don't born care there about that. but but my point is that is the difference there is yeah. no baseball team here some people yeah. might like the Astros because of proximity but I have nothing for Houston there's no reason yeah. why I would love something in Houston just because it's close you know, I
1: just I don't care about that I like my team and and and, and good you for know, you I, well well I know great for me so it's been wonderful not so much yeah, the man. last few years but was the Super Bowl hard for you last year it was. Uh, I actually hated losing the Super Bowls more than I enjoyed winning the five we won, and I was around for all five of them. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, it was the eighties. That's that's all gone. But I, I hated that so much more. And you know why I hated the last two even
4: more? Let me guess. Because um, you had no business being there. It wasn't a shock. A shot. No, it's like sometimes the ones are ones when you're not expecting. Okay, and then you, okay. you, you rise so, up and it's like so, so let me you were not me, expecting to be there. Let me
1: say this. I would not categorize it that way. Okay. I would say when the season started, the best I hoped for was my team making it to the playoffs. Yeah. By the time we got to the Super Bowl, I think we had earned it because we had been a really good defense, a well-played offense, and an okay, okay guy at quarterback. Not a big Jimmy Garoppolo guy. I mean, mm-hmm. You know the thing that I hated the most about the last two is i had to sit there and watch them lose with my sons
4: <laughs> who do they like they're niner fans oh, okay. both of them so they were they were devastated too they,
1: but that i wanted to see i wanted them to see them win a super yeah, bowl yeah, more yeah. than me i mean that's i know that's corny cheesy whatever you want to call it i don't care i really wanted them to see their team win Yeah. i remember the first playoff game they really got a chance to see the Niners win. Oh, no. Do you know who that was against?
4: I'm going to guess it was the divisional round in 2011 against the Saints.
1: Yes. Where Dante Wittner baptized Pierre Thomas down inside of the five-yard line. kicked out of the league for it. It's okay. Jimmy Graham also caught that smoke uh, down the right sideline. But listen, that's water under the bridge. What I will say to every Saints fan now who has said to Niner fans for years – that Super Bowl was so long ago. How's that feel now? Been ten years.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, can I tell you a real quick story about that game?
1: What game? The 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 playoff game.
4: Yes. So that game happened on a Saturday. Yes, it did. Um, the day before that, I got married.
3: <laughs> oh.
4: Four days before that, LSU lost the national championship game to Alabama. Yep. So I want you to I want to put this into context for you, okay? So Erica and I. You know, obviously I can't get married during football season ever because you're like oh well get married on a, on a bye week people say that I'm like you're out of touch with reality because eventually your anniversary is gonna fall on a game like it's it's going to bite you in the at some mm-hmm. point um so we looked at all right when's the national championship game okay was that Monday the 9th of January all right the earliest we can get married be the next weekend mm-hmm. fine we scheduled for Friday January the 13th well. LSU loses the greatest season in their history to that point. They get embarrassed by Alabama. It's the worst day ever. Friday, I get married. Yay. Saturday, that happens. Great Saints team, which I think still that 2011 team is the best Saints team. That team was better than the 2009 championship team. And they lose the way they did. Mm -hmm. And we had planned our honeymoon to leave on Sunday. So we get married Friday. We're like, hey, let's take Saturday, and then we'll leave on Sunday. So we were going to go stay. That we had a five AM flight right to Saint Lucia. Yeah. So in out of New Orleans. So we were staying at a at a new. I said this is going to be a quick story. It's not. Um, You're a radio guy. I know. It's uh. You
2: gotta feel three hours, bro.
4: You better <laughs> tell long stories. But so we're going to stay at the New Orleans, you know, airport hotel to get up and leave early morning. So i I'm, yeah. we're watching the end of the game and then we're driving to New Orleans yeah. and and they lose and Erica goes. This is going to ruin our honeymoon. So she's crying I'm like I said. I said. Give me 10 minutes. Just give me 10 minutes, okay? I could like sit in a room by myself for 10 minutes and I was like, just get me me out of this country. Just get me out of this, get me far, far away. Because look, as fun as my job, as great as it is to talk about sports and teams that I love, the worst thing is when your team loses, it's mm-hmm. miserable because yeah. everybody vomits yeah. on you. Yeah. You, you yeah. are yeah. the waste yeah. can yeah. receptacle. Yeah. You are the the, the porcelain yeah. hug at two in the morning after a night of drinking. When people when your team loses, that's what yeah. you are. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone dumps all of their stuff on you. I know. And national championship yeah. and playoffs in the manner in which it happened, I was like, get me far, 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 far away from here.
1: Well, I understand. Uh, you haven't lost the Super Bowl yet. My team's lost two of them. Um, And people say, yeah, you know, I told people the team's won five. I'm glad to have seen them. And and jokingly, if I could be actually more transparent than joking, uh, I would rather win more because I'm not really a rearview mirror guy. And the one last year was a surprise. Mm -hmm. That team in 2012 should have won. But let's face it. That one didn't hurt as much because if the lights don't go off in the dome, Baltimore hangs 50 points on the 49ers in that game. So I was already prepared to lose that game because they were up. This one, Jimmy Garoppolo, if he could just hit Emmanuel Sanders, it's like, ah. And so. Blew a fourth quarter lead.
4: Yeah. Double-digit fourth quarter lead. Yep. Got eaten up by Mahomes. Yep. (laughs) I cannot. By the way, your uh, sons, they're 49er fans because of you, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a Yankee fan because of my dad. Uh, you t- Go, I'm serious. Don't man. be
1: pulling Jody. Look,ing you lost that part of the argument. Are you it's kidding? It's fine.
4: Absolutely, you did. You're going to tell me that because the Astros are close, I should be an Astros fan? I, didn't I have nothing say, to do no, with no, Texas. That's your
1: argument, not mine.
4: You I said, said are, you said no. there are teams closer. No, no. You There is no. There is no professional you, baseball team in Louisiana. You're the one made.
1: You made that argument, not me. I think it's great that you're a Yankees fan. You made that argument.
4: You said there's teams closer. Yeah,
1: because you said why. You know, you're, you're there like, is did there you team in San Francisco? Yeah, but that's not a good argument. That's why you're a sports fan,
0: Clay.
4: It's, yes. it's about community. So no, 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 Oh, no. God. It Are is. you really going to throw that at me? It, it is the Are reason. Oh, what, what is the thing that's a unifier in Baton Rouge? If you're Republican or Democrat or man or woman or white or black, like what is I the thing? I almost had a
1: really snarky what, answer. What is, but...
4: what is the unifier? It's that on Saturdays we all go worship at the Purple and Gold Altar. That's the thing that's the unifier because it's ours. That's the wonderful thing about sports. It brings people together. That was beautiful, Matt. It's true, Tell though. where they can find your show. I'm everywhere, man. Yeah, a, you are. Just if you Google me, if you can spell my name and Google me, you'll find me somewhere. But uh, 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge. We're on in New Orleans, Alexandria, Cox Sports TV. Uh, if you're on social media, any platform, I'm there. Just spell my name correctly, M-O-S-C-O-N-A. What is Whiskey
1: and Wine?
4: Whiskey and Wine is a post-game show that uh, Jordy Collada and I started four years ago. And as soon as the clock hit zero for every LSU game, we go live. We started it on Facebook. And he drinks wine, I drink whiskey, so we just drink and talk about the game. Mm -hmm. And because it's an internet show, we can curse. Yeah. So we do. And this year, I'm so pumped because every single post-game show, every single whiskey and wine, we are at Don Juan Cigar Bar in Town Center in Baton Rouge. So you should come hang out with us, buy a premium cigar, have a cocktail, a beverage of choice. They have TVs all over the place. So come watch the games have a cigar, have a cocktail, celebrate a win, listen to me and Jordy make jackasses of ourselves. Can, mm-hmm. can I say that? Oh, yeah, you can. Okay. Actually, you could say anything here. This is not FCC
1: regulated. No, I know. I just you know,
4: know. But I remember being respectful of your, your platform and fine. your audience. So, But anyway. Condon's been here, dude. Oh, okay. That's certain. Right. Condom. <laughs> that's, oh, the N is silent. Yes, that's... Or the M is silent. Yes. It's in, an N, not in, an M. Inside. Yeah, shape. I know. Just, Condon.
1: He, he tried hard on that one, though. Yeah,
4: he did. Anyway. So, yes, whiskey and wine from Don Juan Cigar Bar. Come hang out with us after LSU games.
1: I'll say that I want you to just a final rant, if you could do this in about 60 seconds or so, because we're getting on 45 minutes. Uh, He's setting his timer. This is going to be something. You want 45 seconds? No, I want 60 seconds. Oh, 60 seconds. 60 seconds
2: here.
1: NFL finding coaches for not wearing masks. Go.
4: The absolute absurdity of the NFL fining coaches for not wearing their masks is beyond almost any comprehension Clay. Do you realize that two of the coaches who were fined, Sean Payton of the Saints and John Gruden of the Raiders have both already had COVID-19? I'm not sure if you know this Clay, but the FCC, excuse me, the CDC guideline is that If you test positive for COVID, you need not test again for 90 days, which is by the way, the NFL policy. So Sean Payton and Drew Brees, who have both already had COVID, need not test again for COVID, yet the NFL is requiring them to wear masks on the sideline when they don't even need to test because they are at no risk of contracting or giving COVID to anybody else. Yet what we need to do is make sure you're wearing a mask because we need it to look. Like it's, you know what this is, Clay? You're in the swimming pool, and then all of a sudden it starts raining. Your mom says, hey, put on your raincoat. Why, mom? Stupidest thing ever. Kick rocks, NFL.
1: 60 seconds. Awesome. Epic. After further review. Whiskey and wine.
4: Burn.
0: The only interactive podcast in the capital city that lets you help solve a crime. There was a shooting.
2: Okay, is someone shot? Yes, someone is shot.
0: The Crime Stoppers Podcast with Clay Young.
3: Just some suspicious people running through the parking lot before
0: real stories it
2: was my first love
0: real crimes real people real justice the crime stoppers podcast with clay young exclusively at podcast 225.com
1: clay young here with brian low with brian low financial brian you know people kind of recoil when they think about a financial advisor. The information is way above their heads, but they want to secure their future, but they don't know how to judge if they're having a game run on them or if someone really wants To help them. Let's talk about that.
0: Well, you know, the new law is now fiduciary rules. So it's it's to put all the information out there transparency, you know, how do people get compensated? And it's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, At the same time, they want to say it's going to lower the cost of doing business. Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, it's raised the cost of doing business (laughs) for me. At the same time, it's do the right thing for people. So Mm -hmm. there's a class we have in New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Mandeville. Call us, we'll give you in your local area where you can take the class. It's three weeks, one night a week for three weeks. Uh, Financial basics, we'll get into details of stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Mm -hmm. We'll give you a list of what investments to buy and how to do it. And then P.E. ratios, the stock market's high. It's at P.E.s of 28. The average is 16. So consistently, give me a call. We'll get you through the class income planning today. BrianLoweFinancial.com. This is The Clay Young Show.
1: I don't care who you are. That 60-second rant was pretty good, man. (laughs) He took his timer out. Laid it down on the desk, and there was that talent on display for everyone. He didn't know what I was going to ask him. That was good. I hold a little bit of a grudge on the frontrunner comment about me and my 49er compadres around America who root for the team. I mean, there's Saints fans in other states. Heck, the Cowboys have fans all over the state. I mean, all over over the United States. Love my Niners. Thank y'all for listening. It's been a long ride, this one. A lot of great information. There is another debate coming up. We'll get John in studio to talk with us about what we expect. Like I said to him, we'll handicap a little bit of what's going to go on and make predictions that are certainly going to go wrong. And then we'll talk with Matt after the vandy game hell maybe i'll ask him to do his recap of the vandy lsu game in 60 seconds i'm betting he can do it pretty sure he can do it thank you for listening to the show you can catch me on social media at clay young BR on twitter clay underscore young BR on instagram and just clay young on facebook until the next time have a great one
0: see you thanks for listening join us next week for another edition of the clay young show